Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on April 24, 2022. We're in Jesus' study of Luke's Gospel. And today I want you to think about the thinking of Jesus. What was Jesus thinking when he said the words that we're going to read today. Today's passage shows us that the thinking of Jesus often shocked both first century Jews and 21st century Americans. He doesn't think like most people. And I don't want you to ignore his thinking or or look at it as a curiosity or think he was just exaggerating. Instead, I want you to really know what was Jesus thinking. Because here's the truth, we must learn to think like Jesus before we can expect to act like Jesus, love like Jesus, forgive like Jesus, or be like Jesus. It's got to be up here, or we can't really follow him. So, what was he thinking? I was on a family vacation in Rocky Mountain National Park, and uh, as I love to do, I was on a dirt road. Because this, this area was well known for huge herds of elk. And um, I had my kids and, and, and uh, son-in-laws and others with me. And I came around a corner on this dirt road. And there was literally a herd of well over 100 elk. And I thought, I just got to stop and take some pictures of this. But the, the sign on the road said, warning, no stopping in roadway. So I pulled off as far as I could, got my camera and the kids, and there were a couple cars behind me uh, of, of other family members, and we all went out into this meadow and, and stayed about 100 yards away, but took a bunch of pictures of the elk. Meanwhile, a park ranger came and parked right behind me and came stomping out into the meadow where I was, and he said, who's driving that van over there? And I kind of stepped forward and said, I am. Now, my kids love this next part, and they've used this line on me repeatedly, especially my son-in-law over here has loved this line, because the park ranger just looked at me and said, kind of in full dramatic voice, what were you thinking? I kind of stammered, you know, I saw some elk, I pulled off the road, came out here. He was not interested at all in what I was thinking or what I was saying. It was just move your van, or I'm going to ticket you. What was I thinking? That's not the important question. What are you thinking? That's not the important question. What is Jesus thinking? We have to come to grips with that. Because if we don't think like Jesus, there's no way in the world we can really follow Jesus. So we're going to read our passage today. It's very similar to what in the book of Matthew is called the Sermon on the Mount. But on this occasion, people, Luke says, from miles around gathered. He healed many. He gathered a crowd and he taught them all. But as we'll see, he focused his teaching primarily to his disciples. And that's a technique that Jesus often used. The crowd was made up of all kinds of people people who had been healed, people who wanted healing, believers, the curious, enemies looking to accuse Jesus and find some ammunition against him. The crowd 
included Jews and Gentiles and Samaritans and Greeks and Romans and others. And Jesus put his disciples right front and center, the passage says, and he taught them. He did that often because he wanted his disciples to know how he thought and how to live. And he wanted others to know, if you would be my disciple, this is how I want you to think and live. And so we're going to read this passage on blessing and woes that tells us a lot about how Jesus thinks. And I want us to think like him. So be ready to change your thinking to make sure that your thinking lines up with the thinking of Jesus. Let's stand together. Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 26. And here's how it reads. He went down with them, that's Jesus, and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. You may be seated. I really do want you to understand his thinking. And as you can see from these blessings and woe, Jesus thought significantly differently than most people throughout history, very differently from first century Jews, very differently from most 21st century Americans. And Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, I want you to think differently about these things. And so we need to adopt the thinking of Jesus in these four areas. He gave four indications of his heart that is different than most people. This is how he thinks. And the first thing he said is this, blessed are the poor, woe to the rich. Now in Matthew, Jesus talks about being blessed are the poor in spirit. Here he appears to be talking about the literally poor, those who have no wealth and very little in the way of earthly goods. Blessed are the poor, Jesus thought, which is the exact opposite of what most people think today. Blessed are the rich, woe are the poor. We say that all the time. You've heard me say it as well, that God has blessed me with money or a nice home or nice stuff or plenty of food or some other material possessions because we think it is blessed to be rich. Jesus taught it is certainly no shame to be poor. As a matter of fact, blessed are the poor. I read a book by George MacDonald. 
He was, by the way, a hero and a mentor and a generation before C.S. Lewis. And the character speaking for God told an older man by the name of Peter who was very poor. God said this, you have got to thank me that you are so poor, Peter. I have seen to that, and it has done well for both you and me, my friend. Things come to the poor that can't get in at the door of the rich. Their money somehow blocks it up. It is a great privilege to be poor, Peter, one that no man ever coveted and but a very few have sought to retain, but one that yet many have learned to prize. Had you been rich, Peter, you would not have been so good as some rich men I know. And so George MacDonald was saying the same thing that Jesus said. Money is not always a blessing. It changes motivations. It breeds arrogance. It lessens reliance upon God. The money becomes to dominate your thinking. There's something about having to pray for your daily bread that teaches reliance and trust upon God. And this is a theme, by the way, that will crop up repeatedly in Jesus's ministry. You remember the rich man who refused to follow Jesus because Jesus said, hey, go sell everything you have and come follow me. And then Jesus said you would have true riches, but he refused to do so because he was rich. That's why Jesus said it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God because money often gets in the way of the more important things in life. Too often we think that money is an incredible blessing and, and we think like Tevya in Fiddler on the Roof. You remember that? I didn't like musicals until Don convinced me to watch a couple. And one of the first ones I watched was Fiddler on the Roof. And uh, the main character, he sings, If I were a rich man, yibba-dibba-dibba-dibba-dibba-dibba-dibba-dum, all day long I'd biddy-biddy-bum, if I were a wealthy man. Hey, you remember that? Too often we think like that and then money becomes the dominant force in our life. Jesus said it's not. There's absolutely no shame in being poor. As a matter of fact, you may be blessed because you are poor, more reliant upon God, more able to hear his voice. Blessed are the poor. Woe to the rich. And his second thought is similar, blessed are the hungry, woe to the satisfied. Give a man some bread and steak and potato and maybe a piece of pie and he's easily satisfied, maybe even too easily satisfied. Because then often when he has everything that he wants, he stops seeking the more important things in life. He's got a full or maybe even overfull belly. And he stops seeking, stops praying, stops thinking deep thoughts, and takes a nap, spiritually speaking, at least. So Jesus reversed the thinking. Woe are the satisfied. Blessed are the hungry. 
for they shall be satisfied later. They don't have everything they need, so they pray harder, seek God more intently, work at life and faith more deeply than the satisfied. And in the end, their hunger is satisfied, their seeking leads to finding, and their prayers are answered. I want you to think about this. Because there's a truth we need to know. Where is Christianity making the most strides today? Africa, Central and South America, and Asia. And where are people the hungriest today? Africa, Central and South America, and in Asia. And where is Christianity in the biggest decline? In Europe and in North America. And where are the richest countries? In Europe and in North America. Maybe it's time we begin to think like Jesus. For it's just possible that a big bank account and a full stomach can lead to an empty spirit. Blessed are the hungry. We need to understand what Jesus was teaching. There's something more than money. There's something more than food that is important. It's nice to have those things, but that's not the end all, the be all. Blessed are the hungry. Woe to the satisfied. And then the third thing that Jesus said, blessed are the weepers and woe to the laughers. His point is pretty simple. Weep now, and you can laugh later. Laugh now, and you might weep later. In Matthew's version, Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. But it's ignored today. Seek gratification now. Party today like there's no tomorrow. Spend like the bill will never come due. Drink until you're drunk and don't worry about the consequences. Laugh at your sins and your issues and don't worry about what it's going to do to your character, your faith, or your eternity. R.G. Lee preached once a, what became a famous sermon. And then everywhere he went, they asked him to preach that sermon it's said that he preached the same sermon 1,200 plus times, simply called Payday Someday. Blessed are the weepers, woe to the laughers. You're better off weeping now over your sin and dealing with it, repenting now, confessing, changing your life now, and then your tomorrow is brighter. Seek God now. And you won't have to worry about a messed up life later. Say yes to Jesus now. And you won't have to start over and rebuild your life later. Work now and you can spend later. Now think about this. Jesus said, blessed are the weepers. What causes you to cry? What causes you to weep? For too many people today. Our deepest hurt and our deepest anger seems to come at temporary things. The price of gas, 
the rate of inflation, the loss of a politician. I hope instead that we cry over more important issues, the hurt of people around us, our own lack of spiritual growth, the fate of those who reject Jesus or who have never even heard his name. You see, what Jesus was doing was giving his disciples a a whole different way of thinking that's not based on first century Jewish life or 21st century American life. Blessed are the weepers. Low to the laugh, woe to the laughers. And if you thought the first three are countercultural, then listen to the last one, the one that Jeremy referred to earlier. The last thing Jesus said in the blessings and woes are, blessed are the hated, woe to the popular. Blessed are the hated, woe to the popular. Let's listen to that verse again. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. So I want to share with you five thoughts based on this. Blessed are the hated, woe to the popular. Number one, expect it. If you take a stand as a follower of Jesus, especially as the days get more evil and Christianity becomes what it is becoming, more of a minority faith rather than the faith of the land, then you can expect to be hated, insulted, excluded, and rejected. It's to be expected for people of Jesus. And it will happen. So don't let it surprise you when you make a stand for Jesus and you realize that what you just said is not very popular, not very well liked, not understood, and you are rejected. Number two, when it happens, do not retaliate. Don't insult hit back, or return evil for evil. We will get to the most countercultural thing Jesus said next week. And it springboards from this thought when he said, love your enemies. Don't fight back. Don't retaliate. Don't yell and scream and rant and rave about the ungodly people. Blessed are the hated. We're blessed when it happens to us. Number three, don't provoke purposely anger. Too often Christians are very much in your face about sin as if we were the moral policemen of the world rather than bearers of good news. Yes, take your stand for Jesus. Take your stand for faith. Take your stand for love. Preach Jesus, but don't purposely provoke anger and hatred. There's enough of that already in the world. And it will come. Number four, Jesus said, rejoice and leap when it happens. When it happens to you, you're in good company. When you're hated because of Jesus, you're in good company. Jesus said, remember the prophets were hated. Oh, years later, we can look back about some of these guys, Isaiah and Micah and Jeremiah and some of those, and, and, re, and, and, and read and applaud, but they were hated in their day because they spoke truth. Jesus was hated. The disciples were hated. 
Missionaries like Paul and Silas and Barnabas were hated. The first generations of believers were burned at the stake and fed to the lions. Believers even today are hated and persecuted in many places. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, listen, if this happens to you, and it will, if you take a stand for Jesus, rejoice because you are part of the Jesus story. And then number five, listen to this carefully. Expect that today's preachers, if they're doing their job, will say things that will make you think and may even make you mad. Because the job of a preacher, the job of any disciple of Jesus, basically, is to teach biblical truth, not the latest popular political cultural, cultural thought. As one preacher said to his preacher boys years ago, he said, young men, your job is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Go preach truth. And it will not always be popular even in the church. Do not go looking for a preacher that you agree with. Find a preacher who gives you biblical truth and accept it even when it rankles. Because Jesus came out and was completely, totally countercultural. And it upset people in the first century and it's going to upset people today. But that's the job of the church. So as you can see, Jesus didn't think like first century Jews and he didn't think like 21st century Americans. So understand what I am challenging you to do. At its most basic today, I want you to accept the challenge to learn to think like Jesus. You cannot act like Jesus, love like Jesus, forgive like Jesus, or live like Jesus until you learn to think like Jesus. And that's often why there's such a disconnect between Jesus and and the church of today. That's why Jesus lived a life of love, but you also hear of hate coming from the church. That's why Jesus taught us to forgive, and, and, and too often you hear people, I will not forgive that. I cannot forgive that. It's not just because our actions are wrong. It's because we haven't learned to think like Jesus. And so our job is to think like Jesus. So here are some steps, a couple of steps that I, I want to, to give you. How do we respond to this kind of message, which is very much countercultural? Blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are those who weep, blessed are you when you are hated. I want to challenge you to re-study the thinking of Jesus. Make sure you understand it. Make sure you know what he was thinking. Don't just look at the command, which is important but understand the thinking behind it. And then you can begin to learn to live like Jesus. And make sure you are studying Jesus as he is, as presented in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now understand all of the Bible is important, but really we are primarily followers of Jesus, and so we need to know best the Gospels. 
This is who Jesus is. This is how Jesus thought. This is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus did. This is how Jesus challenged us to live. So restudy the thinking of Jesus and don't tweak Jesus to think like you. Make sure that you're thinking like Jesus. So understand, I'm not talking about a conservative Jesus or a liberal Jesus, but I'm challenging you to study Jesus as he really is. I'm not talking about an American Jesus or a Russian Jesus or an African Jesus. I'm challenging you to think about Jesus as he really is. I'm not talking about a white Jesus or a black Jesus. Too many of us want to to mold Jesus into our thinking. I'm challenging you instead, don't do that. Look at Jesus as he really is. You remember the popular question that that for years people carried on, on their arms? What would Jesus do? The problem with that is I had all kinds of people saying all kinds of things about what Jesus would do, and they didn't know who Jesus was or how he thought, so they were tweaking it. Well, this is what I think Jesus would do. How do you know that? Because that's what I think. Well, how do you know that? Because that's what I think. Well, how do you know that? Can you find it in the Word? Do you know who Jesus really is? Do you understand his thinking? We tend to make Jesus in our mold, and that makes us feel better about who we are. What we need to do is study Jesus as he really is. So restudy constantly, regularly, the thinking of Jesus. Don't take a politician's word for it. Don't take a preacher's word for it. Jump to the word yourself and find out this is how Jesus thinks. This is how Jesus thinks. And some of the things he said were shocking. And we need to understand them. And then, after we learn that, when we know what Jesus thinks about money, what Jesus thinks about people, what Jesus thinks about food, what Jesus thinks about hurt, about forgiveness, about sin, about eternity, about life, When we understand what Jesus thinks about these things, then we readjust our own thinking to match his thinking. Saying yes to Jesus doesn't just mean you're going to heaven someday. Saying yes to Jesus means I will learn to think like him so I can live like him. And the world needs to hear from the church today the thoughts of Jesus. And we can't share them unless we know them. Blessed are the poor. That flies in the face of what most Americans think. Blessed are the hungry. That flies in the face of what most Americans think. Blessed are the weeping. That flies in the face of what most people think. Blessed are you when you're hated. That flies in the face of what most people think. And so we need to learn to get our thinking from Jesus. Not from modern American popular culture. Think like Jesus. That's a challenge. It does not come easily. It won't happen overnight. But it's something that you and I 
need to learn to do. To think like Jesus. And understand, if you're saying yes to Jesus, you're saying, I want to rethink, I want to readjust, I want to change, I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to think like Jesus. That's what I'm challenging you to do today. That's what God has been challenging me to do this week. Jack, quit trying to think like Jack. Because Jack is messed up in some of his thinking. Instead, think like Jesus. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net. And you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.